when he was being so blessed uh, that uh, his critics developed a law, put it into practice that whoever didn't serve the God uh, uh, of the day that he'd be uh, thrown into the lion's den. You know what happened? The Bible says when he knew the, the, the writing was signed, he went into his upper room as was his custom from early days and he prayed basically a morning, noon and night prayer. He prayed and he sought God even when he knew it would get him in trouble. I got a feeling that's why the heaven was saying, you're a man greatly beloved because he had set his heart. And we want to talk about setting our heart. We realize that fasting is much more, it's not about food choices. It's about the heart choice. It's about choosing the spirit of God over our flesh. We'll talk about that more in a little bit, but, but it's about choosing the ways of God over the ways of our own life. Fasting is about setting aside our will and choosing His will. Fasting is about choosing His wisdom over our wisdom and, and setting ourselves apart and, and, and humbling ourselves before God. It's about giving our heart over to Him and His purposes. That's what we want to talk about tonight, about positioning ourselves at the place of prayer and fasting. How many of you know there's certain things in life that just don't get done without prayer and fasting? You remember the disciples were having trouble uh, praying over, uh, I think it was a little demonized boy. He kept throwing himself in the fire. How many of you know when you got kids throwing themselves in the fire, you got issues? They need more than counseling. They may need deliverance. And the disciples were frustrated because they couldn't, they couldn't say, they'd been watching Jesus cast out devils and they thought, well, okay, we can do it. And they couldn't do it. And Jesus said, you need to understand, this kind doesn't come out but by prayer and fasting. There's certain things in life we'll never get to until we, until we set our hearts towards Him. And say no to our flesh and yes to the Spirit of God. And so that's kind of the highlight of what fasting is all about. And now I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. We may come back to Daniel. In fact, we will. If you rem- just want you to remember verse 12 where it, where it says, You set your heart from the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself. Your words were heard. Now go to Matthew chapter 6. And this is, I mentioned this all the time in this context, uh, but uh, I see it in, a, in somewhat of a whole new light. The entire chapter of Matthew 6, I see it in a whole new light in, in the context of what I'm sharing with you tonight. Because Matthew 6 deals with basically three areas. He's saying, he, he's talking about the when you's. Everyone say when you. It's when you give and when you pray and when you fast. If you look, verse, verse 1, he's talking about being, my, the New King James says, charitable deeds. Uh, therefore, verse 2, when you give or when you do a charitable deed, don't, be, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites. And so he's talking about how you handle giving. Okay, it's not a public thing. Uh, you know, some people want to give uh, to be to be seen, and look what he did. And that's hey, there's no reward in that because it says in verse four, he says your chair, you're you're not supposed to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret. That your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Right, and then verse five, and when you pray, everyone say when you give. 
Everyone say, when you pray. And he begins to talk about praying. When you pray, don't be as the hypocrites. Don't be as the religious people who do their vain repetitions. And then he gives what we've called the model prayer, the model, an outline of prayer that we could learn to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, it's not a repetitious thing. It's an outline of prayer that we've taught many times that you could embrace and, 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 uh, uh, in your life to help you pray effectively in, uh, and see God work in your life and in greater ways and in your family than great in greater ways than ever before. And then verse 16, and moreover, when you fast, not if you fast, but everyone say when. So according to Jesus in Matthew 6, and by, in fact, he's Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are what we call, uh, you know, uh, really the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to his disciples and talking about the lifestyle of discipleship. And so we could embrace from chapter 6 that, that giving, praying, and fasting are, should be the normal, uh, 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 mode of of a disciple of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus modeled all three of these in his life. Of course, we know he was a great giver. Uh, He gave his own life for all of us. Somebody say amen. And he was a great prayer. In fact, the disciples were so impressed by his prayer life that what led in one of the other gospels we see, they would see the prayer life of Jesus and that he would get up a great while before day. And then when they were all wore out and whooped and ready to, you know, curl up under the olive tree, he was praying and seeking God. He would pray early in the morning and he would pray into the night and his disciples, you know, they started. And then they would see, you know, he's praying and then doing miracles. And the light came on and the disciples said, oh, (laughs) teach us to pray. We want to, they saw the benefit of his lifestyle of prayer and they wanted part part of it and and so Jesus taught them to pray in this in this model prayer he said when you pray and then when you fast he says when you fast don't be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance for they disfigure their faces that it might appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to be to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in where? The secret place. And your Father who sees in the secret place will reward you openly. Now, I came tonight, and here's where I want to weave all these things together. Jesus is not talking about three different things here. In fact, I believe the overarching theme of what he's teaching is not just about giving, praying, and fasting. And if you look at the context, and I'll share more of it with you in a moment, you'll discover that these topics aren't unrelated. He's not just shotgun preaching. Let me, let me, let me throw out giving. I gotta get that dealt with. Let me throw out praying. I gotta get that dealt with. Let me throw out fasting. I gotta get that dealt with. No, I believe they're not unrelated topics. They all have to do was something very interesting when you look at the context. And I believe it has to do with our heart. Let's, let's look. Let's discover. In fact, the, I, I think they all work together. These three elements work together to keep our hearts set, as Daniel's heart was set on the things of God and on the purposes of God. These three important ingredients, giving, praying, and fasting, help keep our hearts set on him and set on his purposes. He's speaking about three vital areas necessary to keep our hearts 
set rightly. Somebody say amen. They all work together. It's not a, it's not, uh, it's not, uh, he's not hitting and missing here with different topics. He's weaving together a thought. In fact, uh, I believe verse, if you look in chapter six, verse 19, after he finishes with fasting, verse 19, at least down to verse 34 and probably into chapter seven as well, he's beginning to talk about the matters of the heart. Look what he says in verse 19. Now, you would tend to think this is a different subject. But look what he says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, what? There will your what? heart be also. You see, I believe giving, praying, and fasting are issues of the heart. Am I with? Amen. And they work together to keep our hearts set rightly. You see that operating in Jesus. Of course, see it operating in Daniel back in, in the book of Daniel. And, and when you realize that, and I believe Matthew 6, when he's hitting praying and, and fasting and giving, he's really looking for us to find the methodology to keep our hearts set on him. And I believe that's what fasting is all about. I believe that's what praying is about. Yes, praying and fasting both, they do great kingdom business that, that are for others' benefit. Read Isaiah 58. Is this not the fast that I've chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness and set the captive free? Yeah, there's great personal benefit. There's great corporate benefit. There's great spiritual benefit for it that we have, we can gain tangible evidence. But man, I'm telling you, just like the little video said just a few moments ago, it's about drawing close to him. It's about getting our hearts set on him. Amen. And so I think we see that in Matthew six. And when you read on through even look in verse, look in verse 22 of Matthew six and tell me if this is not really Relating to our heart. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, which means single, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, uh, you know, he's talking about our, the, our eyes and what we look upon. And how many of you know that's all connected to our heart? You see that? And then look at verse 24. It's not a different subject. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. He's talking about loyalty of heart. He's saying when you give, when you pray, when you fast, they keep your heart right. They keep you from, from, from viewing life through the lens of self and keep you viewing life through the lens of His purpose and plan for your life. It'll keep your, it'll keep your life straight. It'll keep your finances straight. And then verse 25, down really through verse 34, he's talking about not worrying about the provisions of, uh, of this life and, and, uh, that God takes good care of us and, and to not worry about the things of this life. And then he gets to verse 33, one of my first memory verses that I ever memorized. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things things will be added unto you. 
Now, here's what I believe about this passage of Scripture, giving, praying, and fasting. They keep our hearts right. And they keep us at the place of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto us. These other things that we worry about, that we fret about, that we, that we spend all our time and energy, uh, uh, you know, frothed up about. If we'll just get our hearts right, all these other things will take care of themselves. <laughs> Are you with me? Amen. And so I believe fasting has a whole lot to do and praying and giving has a whole lot to do with getting our hearts right and, the, and, and get us focused in the right direction. In fact, if you were to go back to Daniel, God was giving Daniel directives for the future, directives for, for the nation. And, and listen, if you need directive from God, you've got to get your heart right. Now, how do we do that? How do we get our hearts set? Well... If you go back to Daniel chapter 10, it says, From the first day you set your heart to understand and to what? Humble yourselves before your God. Now, this is going to maybe, this might, uh, this might bother you a little bit. It kind of does me. But the word humble here does not mean bow low and say, you are Lord. It has more to do, in fact, the word means to chasten to abase, to deal hardly with, to afflict. In fact, a lot of the, the, the words humble in the New Testament mean exactly that. It doesn't mean our, you know, I'm just going to humble myself and submit myself to you. It's talking about a chastening of our flesh. It's talking about dealing harshly with ourself. And that's where fasting comes in. Because how many of you know, and, and, and you say, well, why do we have to be so hard on ourselves? Why do we have to chasten our flesh and deal hardly with ourselves and afflict our flesh? Now, let me just say, by and large, the Daniel fast we going on today is not near what Daniel fast was going on in Daniel's day. Man, I had some spaghetti the other night that I'll tell you what Daniel would have probably He'd have flipped out over. I'm just telling you, we got really good at this Daniel fast. Uh, you know, it's different. But, hey, we're, we're learning and we're growing. But Daniel afflicted his own self. He, he made sure, and you say, why do we have to do that? Let me just say this. If we don't keep ourselves in check, ourselves and our flesh will begin to rule the roost in our life. They'll, it'll rule, your own desires will begin to rule your life. And if our hearts are going to be set on him, we cannot be in charge. And so I believe fasting has a whole lot to do. And Daniel, hey, he's afflicting himself. I'm telling you, uh, uh, the vegetables of that day, I'm telling you, I just can see them eating these big pieces of celery, which are just Italian, some roots or something. I'm telling you, it's not like today. There was, there was an abasement of self from the day you set your heart to understand and afflict your flesh. Could I say it that way? Your words were heard when you chose to say no to your flesh and yes to me. 
Are you with me? In fact, what does Galatians, turn over to Galatians. Let's go. We got plenty of time tonight. Go over to Galatians chapter five. Let me show you what, what you probably already know, but let me just confirm it for you. Galatians five, verse 16, Paul says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He goes on to say, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. In other words, there's a serious battle in our life. It's between the, the, the spirit of God and our natural flesh. There's a battle going on. Am I the only one that's ever felt that battle? Oh, no. All of us have felt the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And it's very real. There's a war going on inside of us. And it says they're contrary to one another. And, and, and he says, so that you do not do the things that you wish. In other words, your flesh can be so powerful that, only, that something on the inside of you says, man, I would like to serve the Lord. I would like to do what is right. But my flesh is so powerful in my life that I can't seem to do what I want to do. In fact, Paul talked about this in his own life. He said, the things that I want to do, I can't do. The things that I, that I don't want to do, I do. And he's in the middle of this big battle but then finally says but thank but you know where am I going to get the victory in this and Paul finally said but thanks be to God is through Jesus Christ our Lord there's a there's an internal battle and don't tell me that Daniel didn't understand this battle when he when he realized man you know Daniel fought the fight all his life from a teenager all the way to the end of his days and I love Daniel chapter 1 about the uh uh, I think it's verse 16, 17, or 18. It just says this after it kind of introduces him and how he is taken into Babylonian captivity and how God began to bless him. It says, thus Daniel continued. Everyone say those three words. Thus Daniel continued. In other words, Daniel didn't quit the fight. Daniel didn't throw in the towel. I'm telling you, after a lion and, a, and some of the things that he'd been through, I'm telling you, people uh, coming against you, conspiracy against you, lying, and, and, and people trying to undermine your spirituality. I'm telling you, thus Daniel continued. He outlasted five Babylonian leaders. And he stayed true to the things of God. He, he fought the battle of the flesh and won. And so that's what fasting is about. It's about winning the battle over our own desires. Isaiah 58, is this the fast that I've chosen yet? Fast to loose the bonds of wickedness and set the captives free. To come to a new level of liberty in our life. To, to be able to say, hey, in fact, you know what Paul said about his own life? He said, he talked a lot about uh, uh, dying to self and dying to sin. Now, we're dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Christ Jesus. You know what Paul said about his own life? He said, I die daily. Everyone say, I die daily. I die daily. Uh, now, why do you have to die daily? I thought once you're dead, you're dead. Well, he's not talking about his physical body. He's talking about every day. I have to make a commitment and a decision that I'm going to be dead to sin and alive unto God. I die daily. Look at three people and say, we've got to die daily. We've got to die daily. We die daily to our own flesh. 
to our own will, to our own ways. And that's what fasting does. It causes us to, to buffet our body, if you will. Not buffet our body. Buffet our body. A little difference. Same spelling, but a little different. You know, uh, some people, man, Paul said, I buffet my body daily. Well, let's go to, you know, the buffet. I mean, can I just completely pause for a moment? Because this thought came in my head and I'm getting old. And so if I just want to say what I want to say. Last Wednesday before the fa- we began our fast uh, really after church or at church. And so Beverly and I, we wanted to go out in style. So I'd got, Nathan gave me a Red Lobster uh, gift card. Uh, for He said, enjoy an ultimate feast on me. And so I had to get the ultimate. So we went before church on Wednesday night. And so we're there. And uh, one of our members works there. And she happened to be our waitress. And so we were, we're just excited to see her. And we're talking. And so Beverly orders something, that, that a soup or a salad. She says, I'll have the soup. And she said, Pastor, would you like the soup? I said, well, does it come with my ultimate feast? She said, it does for you. And I, woo, pastoral perks are coming into play. So I ordered a little clam chowder with my ultimate feast. And so if you know anything about the ultimate feast, it has those crab legs on the side. And so she's bringing all this food. Man, I'm just, you know, the bread, the salad. I hate to talk like this when we're in the middle of a fast, but it just gets you excited about when we get over. And so, and, and so I'm, just, I'm just enjoying it. And she brings a whole other platter of crab legs. And I'm going, well, hallelujah. This is ultimate feast on steroids. <laughs> I said, Beverly, the Lord knew we needed to have a blessing before we start buffeting our body. I mean, I felt like I was at the buffet and now I'm buffeting my body. And we die. We have to win the battle of our flesh. Somebody say amen. And so tonight... Uh, that's what it's all about. It's not about food choices. It's not, it, it, hey, there's, there's health benefits, but it's not about the health benefits. Daniel, he looked better than all the others after uh, 10 days of eating vegetables and water. It was good for us in every way. Fasting is good for us in every way as long as we do it, you know, in a, in a healthy manner and don't get, you know, I've never met anybody who went on a long, uh, no fast, no water and all that stuff. You've got to be careful with that stuff. Uh, I've never met anybody who wanted to buffet their body that badly. Uh, but hey, we've got to win this battle and fasting helps us win the battle. And fasting will bring breakthrough in our life. And so let me just say this tonight, and we're going to look at the heart. We're going to look at how, how we can yield our hearts to the, to the microscope or really the searchlight of God in just a moment. But let, let me say this. On some level, in fact, Nathan's church that he, he attends, they, they had uh, three weeks of kind of different, unique, like I think he, he said this first week we're going to fast from, you know, and he gave some things and and but not a total Daniel fast. He said, now next week we're going to fast some different. I thought that's interesting. It's, it's the issue of the heart. Now here's one thing. Some of, hey, some people say, I'm going to fast from Facebook. I thought, no, don't make me do that. I'm, I kind of like that. 
But we've got to say no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit of God. Because if we don't, the flesh always wins. If we don't fight this thing, if we don't bring our bodies into subjection and say no to our own desires and, 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 and consciously and strategically say no to our flesh. They're contrary to one another. And according to, according to Galatians, you will not do what you really want to do. But he says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And so, hey, so we, we spend time, especially at the beginning of the year, saying no to our flesh and yes to the Spirit of God. Coming to a place in our life where the Spirit of God can speak to us and direct our life and take us places we would never go, to do things we would never do, and to see things we would never see, to hear things we would have never heard, to be able to tap into the, the hey, and above all that, cause heaven to be blessed. So much so, possibly, that one day heaven will look down and say, man, you are greatly beloved. Only guy I know, hey, Bible scholar Josh, only guy I know who heaven says he's greatly beloved. It's the only one I know of. This guy was something. Oh, Daniel. Now, so it's an issue of the heart. Everyone say it's an issue of the heart. God's looking at our heart. He's, in fact, if you go back to Matthew, he says, don't be like these guys who are just out showing off, trying to make everybody think they're religious and, and they're mourning and sackcloth. That's not what fasting is all about. It's about God seeing you in the secret place of the heart. Giving. Don't be out there showing off with your giving. No, it's about the secret place of the heart. God who sees in the secret place will reward you openly. I like that. Prayer. Don't be like those religious people who love to stand out in the front of everybody praying and oh, so they can be seen by men. They already have their reward. You go, reward. You go into your secret place, your closet, and the God who hears and sees in secret will reward you openly. Amen. So, Let's talk about the heart just a little bit. Let's do a little biblical heart check. You want to do a little biblical heart check? The Bible has the capacity to check our hearts. In fact, we've got a, yeah, I've said this a lot. Uh, some people who are religious say, let us say, what? Examine the scriptures. No, that's the wrong way. We let the scriptures examine us. Amen. We let the word of God shine the light of truth and revelation on our heart. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, wherever you are, go to Hebrews chapter 4. Let me show you this passage of scripture. I love this. This is another memory verse that I, that I memorized years ago when I was a kid. You know, I've stopped memorizing verses. I need to do that more. It says, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It is a discerner, catch this, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the Word of God has the capacity to judge and examine whether we have a right heart or not. Are you with me? And so 
I want to do that tonight. I, I'm just going to show you. In fact, I want to give you uh, ten characteristics of a right heart. All right, and 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 this the word of God. We'll just let the word of God examine us. In fact, uh, we yield ourselves. You remember we prayed just a little bit ago. Lord, examine our hearts and open. We open ourselves up to you. Let's just let the word of God uh, shine upon our hearts and see if there's some areas of our life that may not need where we may not to, uh, may need to say no to self, no to the flesh. And yes, to the Spirit of God in our life. A right heart. Here it is. Number one, a right heart is a loving heart. In fact, what did Jesus say in Matthew 22? He talked about the great commandments. There's two. What did he say? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love who? Your neighbor as yourself. In fact, John, who, who was, hey, John was, he, he had the love of God kind of, that was kind of his forte. You know, a lot of the dis different disciples had different uh, angles in their life where they were, it was their strength. Uh, John the Revelator, he had this love of God down. In fact, turn over to John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. He said, Beloved, Oh, gosh, there's no, let's look in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 16. There's so much here about the love of God. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Wow, how many of you know that's an attitude of the heart? But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Now catch this, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Our hearts will be set. Hey, by this we know if we love God and love one another and love those and we do and, and, and we reach out to those that have need. By this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts, persuade our hearts, if you will, before him. And if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. But if our heart do not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. You know what John's saying about our heart here? Hey, check out your heart by how you love God and love others. That'll tell you. And if your heart doesn't con con condemn you, you got, you got confidence towards God. You're in the right direction. So a right heart is a loving heart. Number two, of course, a right heart is a believing heart, a faith-filled heart. Anybody know what Proverbs 3, 5 says without looking it up? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all your what? Heart. It's a believing heart. What does Romans 10 say about being saved? If, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. Amen. A right heart is a loving heart. It's a faith-filled, believing heart, I believe. And if you're always doubting, you got heart issues. we got to set our hearts towards him. A right heart is a loving heart, a believing heart. And of course, 
A right heart is a clean heart. In fact, I want to read some Psalms to you real quickly. Psalms 24 and then Psalms uh, uh, 51. Psalms 24, let's see, verse 4 says this. He who, ha- oh, I better back up to verse 3. Who can ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who can- may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. Let me just say, lifted up his heart to an idol. How many of you know idol worship is issue of the heart? Okay. Psalm 51. Anybody remember what Psalm 51 is all about? Who sinned a great sin in Psalm 51? David did. What did he do? He committed adultery and then he committed murder. David, a man after God's own heart. How could that happen? Because he lost the battle at a key point in his life. He didn't, he, he, he was a man after God's own heart, but the Bible says that David, one day when men ought to be out to war, David stayed home and he went out and let everybody else do the fight and he kicked back and relaxed. He stayed out of the fray. He stayed home in the security of his own home and he looked out his window and, who? what did he see? Bathsheba. And I'm not sure she's totally innocent because how many of you know she probably knew David could see her from the win- from his window? You're not supposed to be out bathing in the public eye, especially of the king. But he lusted in his heart. And he took her and he committed adultery with her and eventually had her husband killed. And the baby born to them out of that illegitimate relationship died. In fact, the Bible says God smote the child and he died. That'll mess your theology up a little bit. And after all of that, when David lost the battle in his heart, he said in Psalm 51, he, he, and, and this Psalm 51 is about his repentance because of that terrible act. In Psalm 51.10, he said, create in me. That word create is the same one in Genesis 1 where God created the heavens and the earth. It means to make something out of nothing. David said, there's nothing in my heart that's clean. You're going to have to create it. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted unto thee. David knew his heart had gotten black as coal. And he says, you're going to have to create something out of nothing. Listen, a right heart is a clean heart. And hey, that's where repentance comes in. Father, forgive me. If we confess, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, that word confess is not just own up and say, I did it. It means to agree with God about it. It's not to get busted. It's not that you got busted by the Holy Ghost. Okay, you caught me. That's the Saul kind of repentance. Oh, I got caught. It's to, if we confess, it means to agree with God about our sin. He hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Christ. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and catch this, not just forgive us, but cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But how many of you know confession requires us to humble ourselves and to come into agreement with God about our sin nature. So, hey, a right heart is a loving heart, a believing heart, a clean heart. And number four, a right heart is a contrite heart. In fact, Psalm 51, uh, verse 17, the same Psalm, I think it says, a contrite heart you will not despise. And that word contrite means to feel a deep sense of remorse. I wish I had time to go into the difference between uh, Saul and David. And Saul's, his remorse was, I'm sorry I got caught, kind of sorry. When David's remorse was, hey, I, hey I'm, I am the man. Created me a clean heart. A contrite heart is one that has sincere, deep remorse. Have you ever talked with anyone? Have you ever seen, you know, some of these atrocities whether that's a serial killer or just just people have have just stepped way off into the left field and they have no real heart of repentance toward what they've done. It's called their hearts have been seared, the Bible says, as with a hot iron. Because they've just get, given themselves over and over. In fact, Hosea, the prophet Hosea, God spoke through him and says that about the children of Israel uh, that they have set their heart on iniquity. And when you set your heart on iniquity, you, after a while, and this is what makes some people begin to think it's okay because they lose the conviction of God about what they're doing. They have no remorse. A right heart is a contrite heart. And then number six, Oh, pardon me, number five, a right heart is a steadfast heart. I love this one. David, he learned some things about his heart. He learned some things. How many, how many of you know if you learn something? In fact, did you know failure is a part of success? The lessons we learn from failure can move us towards success. And David, though he fell terribly, he learned from his failures. In fact, he says in Psalm 57, 7, he says, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I've got my heart set. It's steadfast. It's a steadfast heart. Amen? In fact, uh, Oh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and verse 16 talk about uh, our hearts. Uh, Paul the Apostle talked about, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Verse 16, he talks about we're not going to lose heart. How many of you know the world's filled with people who have lost heart? In fact, I just saw some statistics. I knew this was true. I don't have the exact statistics. But pastors who are getting out of the ministry, they're just losing heart. It breaks my heart. And a right heart is a steadfast heart. 
How many of you in 2014 would like to have some of that steadfastness in your gut, man, in your spirit, in your, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in this thing. I'm not going to back down. I'm not backing up. I'm steadfast in the things of God. I'm steadfast in the purposes of God. I'm steadfast in his will. And if he says when you pray, when you give, when you fast, that, hey, I'm in. I'm all in. My heart is steadfast. And then number six, a lot of these come from David. A right heart is an integral heart, a heart of integrity. I love this about David in Psalm 78, verse 72. It says about him that he shepherded Israel with skillfulness of hands. Now, this is, these are, hey, this is the dynamic duo in my mind of, of leadership. He shepherded Israel. In fact, the word shepherd just, just it's so much more than led. I mean, uh, gosh, it's just, it's just says so much more than is the boss or the king. He shepherded Israel with skillfulness of hand and integrity of heart. That's a great dynamic duo. Whatever you do in life, whether it's a father, a, a mother, a, 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 you know, a businessman, uh, you know, whatever you do, take those dynamic. I'm going to do it with skillfulness of hand and integrity of heart. Amen? That's a right heart. And number seven, another characteristic of a right heart is an enlarged heart. I love what David said in Psalm 119, verse 32. He said, for, he talked about the commandments of God in his life. And then he said, for you shall enlarge my heart. How many of you know God wants to enlarge our hearts? To encompass more of him and more of his purpose and plan. You know, I don't know how this weaves in all together, but little Ty, he, a couple of years ago, and he's five now, uh, but gosh, maybe he was three and a half, I don't know. Uh, and I can't remember the context, but uh, it was a moment of real, he's a very tender-hearted boy, and, and, uh, and something happened where somebody's loving on somebody or something, and he came up with a statement that I thought was so profound. And he said this in a moment of real love for, I don't know if it was his mom or dad or whoever. He said, you made my heart get bigger. Where did he come up with that? Man, I've, I've, I just, man, in fact, I said it today. We, I, I, all the grandkids came by to see us for a little bit. And, and uh, somebody, little Taylor did something. I said, ooh, Taylor, you just made my heart get big. How many of you know God wants our heart to get bigger for a world around us? A heart for the world. I know I have some friends that, that their hearts are so big. It just astounds me. They look at the whole world and they have a heart for the whole world. And most of us are so finite in, in where we let our heart go. Well, I just, ah, so much to give. You know, got to be careful. Be careful. Hey, God wants to enlarge our hearts. That's the sign of a healthy heart. It's getting larger. You know, in, in a biological standpoint, an enlarged heart is bad. But from a spiritual standpoint, it's good. And then number eight, here we're going to, we're going to jump into this and kind of finish up. Number eight, another characteristic of a right heart, uh, that, uh, is been set on God. It's a merry heart. Everybody go, ha, 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 and hallelujah. <laughs> 
A merry heart. Proverbs 15, 13 and Proverbs 17 both talk about having a merry heart. Uh, the, the, I can't quote the first one, but I know 17, 22 says this. A merry heart does good like what? A medicine. And I'm telling you something. When you, when you have a right heart. I, listen, I see some people who, who look like they've what? They've been baptized in pickle juice and they think it's spiritual. They got a furrowed brow and they call it spiritual. They got a mean spirit about them, judgmental, self-righteous, get easily irritated and they call it spiritual. It's not spiritual. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Hey, listen, when your heart is right, you're a happy soul. And if you're not a happy soul, your heart's not right. We got to get our hearts right. And maybe it's because we got our priorities out of whack and we need to go back and give, pray, and fast a little bit to get our hearts set back on him. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's not the joy of this life. How many of you know life on planet earth is terminal? Oh, beyond that, planet earth is terminal. Did you know planet Earth is the shortest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere? In fact, one of the Psalms, I can't quote which one it is, but I can quote the, it says, it says our hearts, their hearts were set on pilgrimage. Ooh, I like that. In other words, we're just pilgrims passing through. This is our heart. This world is not my home. I wish I could sing it. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckoned me to heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Our hearts are set on eternity. A merry heart. Amen. And then number nine, a sign of a right heart, of course, is an obedient heart. Romans six seventeen talks about we used to obey the flesh and now we obeyed from the heart. How many of you know there's two levels of obedience? A forced level and a willing level. In fact, Isaiah says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. How many of you know you can make somebody obey you? You know, you can twist their finger. You can twist their ear. Come on. Oh, well, okay, okay. You can make somebody obey you. And God could do that. He never has, but he could. He never made the children of Israel obey him. He wanted it to be an issue of the heart to where we from the heart, we say, oh, you know what? I used to obey this. Now I'm going to, but from the heart, I'm going to obey you. Parents, isn't it great when your kids obey you from the heart? When you don't have to, when you don't have to threaten them with the, I'm going to beat the tar out of you if you don't clean your room. Wouldn't that bless you if they just said, man, mama, I just want to bless you. I want to clean up my room. Most of us go, I'm coming to heaven. I'll just pass out right here. Amen. Hey, God looks down at us and says, just obey me from the heart. A right heart is an obedient heart. And then finally, a right heart, the evidence of a right heart, it's a worshiping heart. Ephesians 5, I think 19, 
says that one of the evidences of a, of a right heart is that they, they singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Listen, worship is an attitude and an outcropping of something that has happened in our hearts. Amen. Where we've set our hearts on him. Now, tonight as we close, listen carefully. Again, whether or not you're fasting or not, this message still can apply to all of us. God's looking at our heart and we need to, we need to, let the word of God, that's what we did with these 10 ideas. Let the word of God, what did it say in Hebrews 4.12? The word of God uh, discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let the word of God shine in our hearts. It says, thy word is a lamp unto my, to my feet and a light unto my path. Let's let the word of God shine upon our hearts. Let's just ask God, Lord, am I? Winning the battle of my flesh, which feels like it has to be in charge all the time. If not, we may need to set ourselves to seeking after God and humbling ourselves, afflicting and saying no to our flesh. And yes to the Spirit of God in our life. Amen. Let's stand up together. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, tonight we yield ourselves to you. And I pray tonight before we just walk out these doors that you would just say, Lord, search my heart. Lord, if there's some areas of my heart that need to be set on you, Set on understanding you and your will and plan for our life. And Lord, I believe all of us on some level. In fact, Jesus, Lord, you did it. You, you prayed and you fasted. You said no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit of God. And Lord, it brought about a great victory for all of us. So Lord, stir our hearts to be steadfast in you full of the Holy Spirit and saying no to the flesh we humble ourselves before you God and we pray our hearts would be set on you and not set on the things of this world not set on my will but your will and we do trust in you with all of our heart and we lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways we acknowledge you. We know you'll direct our paths. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, if there's someone here tonight who really needs to allow you to cleanse them, Lord, we just all together, we say, and in fact, just pray this prayer after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, cleanse my heart. Forgive me of any sin of commission or omission. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Well, God bless you tonight. I hope the Word of God's made a difference in your life tonight. Now, hey, let's continue.